In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus explains to us the reason that he came to earth. These are Jesus' own words. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says that the reason that he came is that we would have life and have it to the full. Some other translations say that we would have it abundantly, abundant life. I love the way that the Amplified Bible explains this uh, verse. See, the Amplified Bible uh, is written to bring out the full meaning of each of the Greek words. It's hard sometimes to get one Bible verse in to, to expand the full meaning in one English word. And so if it needs 47 words to bring out the meaning, it, it just uses them all. It's amplified. And here's what John 10.10 uh, 10 in the Amplified Version says. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full Till it overflows. That's the life that Jesus is offering to us. A life of abundance, of fullness, overflowing with all the goodness of God. But I wonder, is that really the way that we experience life? And if you think about the way your life is going, would you describe it as a life overflowing with abundance and fullness and all the goodness of God just pouring out of your life? More often, I think it feels like something is broken. If that's the kind of life that Jesus came to offer us, why is that not the reality in which most of us live most of the time? We're going to look at another one of Jesus' miracles this morning and see if it can't point us a little bit more towards a life of abundance, fullness, overflowing with all of the goodness of God. The story is found in Mark chapter 5, and it's, uh, it's about a woman who has been struggling with a health need who interrupts Jesus in the midst of his journey because she is needing healing. Now, what we might discover about all of these miracles that we're looking of uh, about Jesus in this series is that each one of these miracles is about Jesus bringing abundant life into places where it doesn't exist. Jesus bringing hope and healing and fullness into someone's life who needs it. Let's look how it happens in the life of this woman, Mark. Chapter 5, verses 24 and following. A large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Twelve years she's had this illness. She spent every dollar that she had going from doctor to doctor to doctor hoping someone could help her. 
But instead of getting better, she got worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed immediately. Her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. For 12 years, she had longed to be made whole, to be healed from this illness. She had gone from doctor to doctor to doctor. The word is suffering under each of them. Spent every dollar that she had, and she got worse instead of getting better. But now she reached out and touched Jesus believing that she could be healed and immediately she was freed from her suffering. Verse 30, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Jesus immediately realized that some divine power had surged through his body. That someone had been seeking a touch from God and had received it in a touch from Him. And Jesus wanted to know who it was. And so He asked, who touched me? And the disciples are thinking, Jesus, you're a little bit crazy. Look at how huge this crowd is. There are all kinds of people touching you. You want to know who touched you? Every one of these people just touched you. You're in the midst of a crowd where everybody's bumping up against one another. And He said, no, 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 no. There's somebody who touched me with purpose. Now this woman knew she wasn't supposed to touch Jesus. The laws that they lived under were very clear. If a woman was bleeding, she was not allowed to touch anyone else during that time. So imagine this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years who was sent off from the community was not supposed to touch anyone else, not do business with anyone else, not eat with anyone else, not share a hug or a handshake or a fist bump with anyone else for 12 years. And she had hoped that she could just kind of touch Jesus and nobody would notice because there were so many other people touching him. Maybe nobody would notice that this woman who isn't even supposed to be in the crowd would have reached out and touched Jesus. But now Jesus is calling her out in front of everyone. He is looking and he's not going to stop until he identifies who it was who touched him with purpose and intention. 
Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear told him the whole truth. Why was she trembling with fear? Because she knew that she had broken the ceremonial laws. She was not supposed to touch anyone until she was healed. But of course, she's 12 years in and getting worse instead of better. She told Jesus the whole truth, and he said to her, she's thinking Jesus is going to say, how dare you? Get away from me. But instead, he looks at her and says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Two kinds of suffering that I believe Jesus healed her from. He healed her from the suffering in her body, but he healed her of the suffering of shame, that something was wrong with her, and she had been pushed out of community, of love, of care, and Jesus welcomed her. He did not yell at her for touching him. He said... Thank you for your great faith. Go and be free. Be healed from your suffering. I think there's something deeper going on in this passage than just one woman getting healed. Jesus wants to teach us in this miracle about the abundant life that he offers to each one of us. See, this woman came to Jesus and said, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. If you're reading in the King James Version this morning, it would say, if I just touch his clothes, I will be whole, is the word that the King James uses. That what is broken will be put back together. It will be whole. The actual Greek word that she uses in this passage is the word sozo. And throughout Scripture, it is Occasionally translated as healed or as whole, but more often you know this as the word saved. She says, if I, if I will just touch the edge of his garment, I will be saved. And then Jesus, after hearing her story, looks at her and says, your faith has healed. There it is again. So, so your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. Salvation is bigger than we usually give it credit for. We think that being saved means you get to go to heaven when you die. It does mean that. It absolutely means that. But it means a whole lot more than that. (laughs) If you have ever thought that when you got saved, you now have your ticket to heaven... And it ends there. Jesus has got something awesome to offer you this morning. 
See, because getting saved isn't just about getting you to heaven one day. It's about getting heaven into you now. It's not just about suffering when through the struggles of this life so that one day you can go to heaven and then everything will be awesome. No more tears, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. That's all true. But the great gift of salvation isn't just about what happens then, but what Christ is doing in your life now. And so being saved is about discovering the abundant life of Christ now. Where he wants to work even now in this life to heal everything that is broken in you now. That's what it means to be saved. One day you'll get to go to heaven when you die. You're spared from the, 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 the wages of sin, which is death, and an eternity in hell, separated from God when you're saved. That's absolutely true. You will be spared from that, and you'll get to spend eternity with God in heaven. Absolutely true. But it also means that Christ is at work in your life now. And the good news of heaven comes to meet you in this life filled with brokenness and hurt. And Jesus is at work in your life now, healing everything that is broken. If I touch his clothes, I'll be saved. What did salvation look like for her in that moment? It was this issue of bleeding being fixed in that moment. That's what salvation looked like for her that day. And Jesus looks in her and says, your faith has healed and saved you. Go in peace. Ah. That's the other word we need to talk about, peace. In Greek, the word is irene. In Hebrew, it's shalom. Maybe you've heard that before. And that word peace also means a lot more than I think we realize. So often we think of peace as the absence of conflict. If you're at peace, that means you're not fighting with anybody. Our nation is at peace if we're not at war at the moment. That's peace. But the reality is that's only half of what peace is. Peace isn't just the absence of conflict. It's the presence of wholeness. See if I can make sense out of this. I, uh, I love coffee. Anybody else? Coffee? Fanatics? Like, I, I, I strongly believe that with a good cup of coffee and the Holy Spirit, I can accomplish about anything. <laughs> coffee and the Holy Spirit is the power to get through the day. <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, so let's say I invited, over you, I invited you to my office. To sit down and we're going to talk about God and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to share a cup of coffee together. Coffee and the Holy Spirit conversation. See how the Lord shows up. Now, because my days are often full and busy, and coffee is an essential part of getting through the busyness, just like prayer, 
It's not uncommon for there to be several coffee cups on my desk that I have used in the last week. <laughs> and occasionally, I, I, I don't clean the cups as often as I should. In fact, there might be a coffee cup on my desk right now that I left a little bit of coffee in a week ago, and I'm like, oh, I need to take care of this, but I haven't. <laughs> So I invite you into my office, and you come and you sit down, and we're going to talk about what God's doing in your life, maybe pray together, and I'm going to offer you a cup of coffee. And so I fix myself a good, beautiful, warm cup of coffee. And then I hand you a cup filled with the leftovers that have been sitting on my desk for a week and a half. I heard one, ew. <laughs> exactly right. And So I hand you this, and you start thinking, what is this? Pastor trying to kill me. That's not what I that's not what I want today. And you might say, Pastor, um, there's a problem here. And so if I if I look at that, I, I I look at what I've just served you and the look on your face, and I realize, oh, something's wrong. And so I take that cup of nasty old leftover coffee with a film, maybe some mold starting to grow in there. And so I just take that. I say, you know what? Let me take this is wrong. I should not have done this. I'm so sorry. And so I open the door and I take that leftover stuff and I dump it out. And then I hand the cup back to you and I say, here you go. <laughs> okay, maybe I, so I, I'll wipe it. I'll clean it. You know, I can some germ killer in there. And then I hand you the cup. You're thinking, okay, but there's still no good coffee in here. So thank you for not giving me sludge and nastiness. I appreciate that. But where's my nectar of life? Could you add something to my cup? Oh, this is, this is what the peace of God is. The peace of God is both cleaning the nastiness out of that coffee cup. But then God doesn't hand us an empty cup back. He then fills it with all of the goodness of God till it overflows the abundant life of Christ. And that is peace. Peace is about both what is not there and what is there. It's about God taking away those things that are, are, are destroying us, those things that are hurting us, those parts of us that need to mature and grow and be healed. That's God removing that from us, but that's only half of it. The other part is then when he pours in place all of his goodness and his love and his grace and his mercy and fills us till we're overflowing. That is the peace of God. Emptying us of pain and filling us with hope. So Jesus looks at this woman and says, your faith has saved you. Go and be whole. Think We think peace is about what's not there, and we forget that it's also about what God adds. And so I like the word whole. Go and be whole. Go, go and be the way that God created you to be in the first place. In Hebrew, that word shalom, peace, is about wholeness. It's about health. It's about balance. It's about unity. Shalom, peace. 
is when we are in harmony with God. Our relationship with God is what it's supposed to be. That when we're in harmony with our with others, our neighbors, <laughs> we're not in conflict, but we're in harmony with each of them. We're in harmony with the world in which we live, and we're in harmony with ourselves. Maybe that's the hardest one of all sometimes. So here's the question. Is your life filled with wholeness? Does that describe the life that you're living? Or does it seem like something is broken? Here's, here's the bad news. Everyone is broken. None of us get out of childhood into adulthood without being broken somewhere along the way. We all carry wounds with us that, that, that happened to us while we were growing up, while we were being formed, while we were learning how the world works and how families work and how church works and who we're supposed to be. And somewhere along the line, we were broken. We were hurt. Some wound came into our life. And when I talk about that, some of you know exactly the moment. You don't know just about a wound. You could tell me about the wound. The time that thing happened. And you were never the same after that. Though the bad news is that we've all been broken. Here's the worst news. <laughs> the worst news is that most people never deal with their brokenness. Most people think that's just the way life is. So we try and manage our brokenness. We try and pretend that we're not broken anymore. We long for that day when we'll get to heaven and that brokenness won't affect us anymore. And we forget that Jesus is trying to bring wholeness into our life now. He wants to heal what's broken in your life now. Most people never deal with their brokenness. So we're like the guy who loves Jesus. And everybody thinks they have it all together, but he's still trying to earn his father's love. We're like that. We're like that lady who, who really loves Jesus, but uses food to numb the struggles that she's going through in her life. Maybe it's not food, maybe it's alcohol, tobacco. Pills, needles, to try and cover up the brokenness so you don't have to feel the brokenness anymore. And you can love Jesus and still try and cover up your brokenness. That's not what He wants for you. It's, it's like that, that one that loves Jesus but has left a string of broken relationships behind them because they don't know how to be real and whole in a relationship and can't break out of those relational patterns. It's like that church leader who loves Jesus but is also addicted to porn and doesn't know how to get out of this trap that he's in. It's, it's like that one who, who loves Jesus but is always blowing his top and getting angry at people and things and leaving destruction in his way. It's like that one who's reaching the end of his life, maybe 70 or 80, and loves Jesus, 
but still has the same struggles that they did when they were 20. God wants more for you than that. He wants you to be saved and to be whole. He wants you to be healed and put back together. So if the bad news is we've all been broken and the worst news is that most people never deal with their brokenness, here's the good news. You can be healed of your brokenness. I'm tired of people, I'm tired of seeing people at the end of their life who are still living out of their brokenness. And I want to encourage you today to do whatever it takes to passionately pursue wholeness. In fact, there's our bottom line. Jesus heals us when we passionately pursue wholeness. We see that in this miracle. Oh, this woman's going to teach us three things about what it takes to become whole. First of all, we have to ask, what does it take to become whole? It's a passionate pursuit of wholeness. It's acknowledging that there is something in you that isn't the way that it should be or isn't honoring to God or isn't the way that you want to live for the rest of your life. And instead of saying, well, it's just the way it is. One day I'll get to heaven and things will be different. Instead, you pursue wholeness with purpose and passion until you are healed and made whole and the abundant life of Christ flows out of you. Look at this woman in this miracle. She went and saw many doctors. She spent all her money pursuing wholeness. Then she pushed through the crowd. I got to get through the crowd. I got to get to Jesus. She kept going and she broke social barriers that told her that pursuing wholeness wasn't for her (coughs) until finally she became whole. See, we have to participate with God in our wholeness. God has the ability to just, boom, you're whole. But often he asks us to participate in our wholeness with him. Uh, Come and walk with me, search for me, know me, and in the process, I will make you whole, he says. We need to be like this woman who did not give up. After 12 years, she kept seeking wholeness, believing that God had something better for her, and she did not give up until she received it. Be like that. Second thing we see is she touched Jesus in the midst of the crowd. She pursued wholeness with all that she had and kept going, kept going, kept going until she got it. And second, we see that she touched Jesus in the midst of the crowd. We need to learn to touch Jesus in the midst of our crowded lives. Not just when we can get away on retreat on top of the mountain not just on Sunday morning in worship service, but how can we find Jesus? How can we reach out and touch him in the midst of our busyness, our crowded lives? I'll tell you about the prayer, uh, the spiritual practice of examine, of examination. It's a prayer that we pray, examining how God has been at work in the midst of the crowded busyness of our life. 
the end of the day or the end of the week, or the end of the month, or on your birthday or new year, looking back over the last year, pray and ask God a couple of questions. And think, for what moment am I most grateful? And look back over your day and say, what am I most grateful for about today? Or you could put it this way, when, when was I most connected to God today? You think about your day, a week, a month, a period of time. On your birthday, think about the last year. What am I most thankful for? When did I most see God at work? Give thanks for that. And then pray, then pray this. God, show me, what am I least thankful for this year? When did I feel the most disconnected from you? What you might find if you would pray that prayer of examine, just ask those two basic questions on a regular basis, that you could find your life aiming more for those things that bring gratitude in connection to God and turning away from those things that lead you away from God. Don't bring gratitude. And God can use that over time to help you find Him in the midst of your crowded life and lead you towards you. He will shape you into who He's called you to be if you will just look for where He's showing up in the midst of your crowded life. And the third thing we learn from this woman is we can't do it alone. This woman had no capacity to heal herself, and you don't either. If you could heal what was broken in you, you would have done so by now. She began with the doctors and finally it led her to come to Jesus. And you can't do it alone. Who, who has access to your inner world? Who, who do you invite into your struggles with you? The possibility of self-deception is great. It is easy for you to lie to you about you. And sometimes those people around you know exactly what's going on. And they well, I'm not really that big of a jerk. Being angry all the time, that really, that's really not hurting anybody else. And those people around you could say, oh, if you could just see you the way that we see you, it's easy for you to lie about you. And so you need some mature friends or a mentor, spiritual director, maybe a counselor who can enter into your, into your inner life with you and help you to make sense of who you are and how you can aim towards healing. Jesus wants to heal what is broken in you. Maybe that's new news for you today. Maybe you just thought, I, I, I just have to deal with this mess of my life till one day I get to heaven and it'll all be better. That's true. But Jesus wants to heal the mess now before you get there. And so aim for that. Make that your goal. Do whatever it takes to become whole. If I can just touch Jesus, if I could just touch the edge of his cloak, the hem of his garment, she said, I will be whole. 
pursue Jesus and find his healing. Maybe this morning you're realizing, I, I need to bring part of who I am to Jesus. I need to touch him and ask him to heal something in me. For generations, the church has said that the altar is a special place to come and touch God. If you need some healness in your, some, some wholeness and some healing in your life today, physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, financial, and you need healing today, as we sing our song of response, I want to invite you, let, come to the altar and just reach out, reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' clothes by coming to the altar and asking Jesus to do in your life what you can't do for yourself, but what he can to heal you and make you whole. So that Jesus could say to you at the end of this service, go, you've been healed. So go and live whole. Stand together, we're gonna sing. And I invite you, come, just step right out of your seat and come to the altar and pray for Jesus to make you whole this morning.